the vast majority of folks who get accepted to Big Sky are uh, just really excited. They've heard by word of mouth um, what a great festival this is. We have uh, media attention, industry attention, and um, just the respect of the filmmaking peer network. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Surprise! I bet you didn't expect to see me in your feed today. So much great content and so few Tuesdays. So we're hijacking your Thursday for a special episode with Rachel Gregg, the executive director of the Big Sky Film Institute. That's the organization that brings us the highly acclaimed Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. The festival opens on February 14th and runs through the 23rd. In this conversation, Rachel shares the history of the festival and what we can expect from the Film Institute in the coming years. She also gives us a sneak peek of what to expect at this year's event. So let's get into it right now. Okay, so we're here today with Rachel Gregg. Rachel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Justin. This is a big week. It's huge. Yeah. <laughs> Announcing the films for this uh, this year's Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. You're the executive director of yes, the sir. film festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, is it is it called the Film Festival or the Film Institute? Like, what is, what is your title? Actually? Right. Yep. If I'm doing it right, I'm I'm the executive director of the Big Sky Film Institute, of which the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival is our largest program. Okay, so. and and a few other programs that we'll talk about. Um, but before that, let's get into how why film. How'd you get into film? Sure. Um, kind of by chance, okay. you know, I, um, I'm an alum of the University of Montana. Entertainment management Entertainment program, management, right? yep, yeah. while I was getting my certificate and um, finishing my master's degree, I worked at the Wilma Theater. And, um, okay, and you got your master's in environmental rhetoric, Yes, right? indeed. W- I, what is that? I studied communication and an emphasis in environmental rhetoric. Okay. Um, and specifically, I happened to be studying environmental documentary film as part of my professional paper I wrote for my, uh, my master's degree. And uh, essentially, that's looking at how people talk about the environment. Yeah. And um, my, my emphasis was on social movement mm-hmm. and how documentary film is used um, to motivate wide swaths of people and get them uh, excited, interested, educated, aware <laughs> yeah. of uh, environmental issues specifically. So, yeah, I, I actually wrote my, my paper on a film called Food, Inc., which a lot of people have, have Oh, yeah, I know Food, of. Inc. Yep. Yeah, yep. powerful and, film. And um, I was comparing it to another film um, called Bag It, which is about plastic bags, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Not plastic to be confused with baguette in mm, the food no, category. No. Sorry, don't, I, don't just, I couldn't it. resist that joke. <laughs> It was a bad one. Yeah, so I actually, it's somewhat um, unpopular with people because I said that Food Inc. actually isn't great for starting a social movement. However, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as it lived out into the world, it, it has had lasting effects what and was been very the, effective. Yeah, what was the base of that um, argument? I was um, saying that the rhetorical tools I was studying and um, uh, the theory of communication uh, that I applied to the analysis said that Bagot was actually using um, better tools for teaching people how to um, uh, take action that sure. collectively, social movement-wise, would be more effective in the long term. So um, I, I do really like Food, Inc., and I probably haven't eaten factory chicken since I <laughs> watched that film. Sure. But um, I found that Bagot had all of these really interesting tools, a, a character that convinces you uh-huh. to really um, care about the things we, uh, the plastic we use and put on our, in, and in our bodies. Sure. Um, and, you know, the, 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 uh, 
sort of groundswell things that feed into a lo- more momentum over time and get people um, to work together to, to make to create change. So, and at that point, were you looking to make film right out of school? No, actually, oh, okay. I am not a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, hopefully someday, and I have um, been involved in producing a few projects, mm-hmm. and I've um, worked with entities as a funder of uh, films. But, um, yeah, I, I wasn't actually looking to get into film. I was working at the Wilma because I wanted to get into concert promotion, just okay. like a lot of lot of uh, students coming out of that entertainment management program. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, yeah, was working at the Wilma, uh, helping with shows and community events and so on, and I got totally seduced by the film side because this was back when the Wilma was still a theater. Yeah. Um, this was um, just prior to the log jam age. Okay. So, yeah, I was promoting local film events and um, some of the indie films yeah, that came. Yeah, a ton of like and, ski films and right? indie films and yep. the Big Sky Film Fest, which Indeed. we'll get to. Right. Yeah. A lot of the films that, you know, now they go to the Roxy for right. that great indie programming they have there. Um, so, yeah, when the film festival, the Big Sky Festival, would come to the Wilma, um, I mean, just the energy, the the excitement in the community and the filmmakers who came and the incredible programming, I thought, wow, this is really interesting and effective. And I was quite the tree hugger in college and really drawn to the environmental stories that were in the festival. So Uh that's when I really started paying attention. It goes a little farther back. Um, My brother showed me a film called Red Gold um, when I visited him in in the Arctic where he lives. Uh, The the film is about the pebble mine. And is essentially a look at, you know, the the fishing economy, um, the recreation economy in that watershed that would be extremely damaged were the pebble mine to move ahead and Mm -hmm. just really beautiful filmmaking. And um, I got super fired up to get involved on that issue because of that film. And that carried over into my career now, my, you know, my professional paper, my master's degree. And now um, it's, I don't know if I could have hit it more on the nose with um, studying environmental documentary film and now working for the festival to bring those stories to Missoula so we can sit down and talk to each other about these things. Absolutely. And so how long have you been with the the Film Fest, Film yeah. Institute, Big right, Sky Film right. Institute. So I, um, I was actually hired to produce the festival in 2017. Okay. And um, my predecessor uh, moved on, mm-hmm. and uh, that opened up the executive directorship, and the board asked me to stay. So yeah. I've been the director since um, probably fall of, of 2016. So okay. I'm headed into my fourth festival now. Fourth festival. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's exciting. Let's um, – well, let's let's get into it. Let's talk okay. about the festival itself. Yeah. It's a nine day festival. Ten run. days. Ten days. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I just can't. I just can't do math. Um, but February fourteenth to the to the twenty third. So mm-hmm. coming right up. Yes. Uh, what are you most excited about? It's always about the films for yeah, me. Of course. You know what's um, amazing. I, I've inherited this incredible festival that. Um, uh, hundreds of filmmakers, uh, thousands around the world know about. And um, as a documentary filmmaker, they want to come and be part of it. And so um, it's because we have this international acclaim, we get the most incredible, yeah. highest quality films coming here. And the filmmakers come as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of great stories coming our way again this year. You know, you Year over year, it sort of changes the tone um, overall of what comes to us. I've noticed this in in my four short years here. Um, You know, we had 2016 to 17 was an interesting year politically. And we saw like a lot of satire come out of it Mm. that year because we weren't sure quite how to process this new situation we were facing um, domestically. 
Uh, the year after that was a much more somber tone, processing some of the um, consequences and results of of a new political age. Sure. Um, and uh, last year, that actually spread into an international uh, perspective. Hmm. So it wasn't just what's happening to American politics, but how is this spilling over into the way the world reacts to what's happening in the United States? Um, and that's, of course, politically. We have... Uh, Lots of other stories that are um, more lighthearted or just personal, mm-hmm. um, just the way people experience and process the world all, all, all over the place. So, so before we kind of get into what might what we might expect at this year's edition, let's maybe talk about the history because now it's such an an established thing. Like yeah. people come from all over the world, and you get all these premier elite filmmakers. Um, but it didn't start that way. Tell us, tell us maybe some of the history. Yeah. So Big Sky started in 04. Okay. And essentially it was a few local documentary enthusiasts who said, you know, maybe if we threw together a weekend of nonfiction films, people would come and mm-hmm. they would enjoy it. And we will we'll curate um, some films we think Missoula would really love and then some other work that might really challenge an audience and get them interested in the nonfiction genre. Okay. And what do you mean by challenge an audience? Sure. You know, we all gravitate towards certain things. Maybe you like ski movies or f- yeah. fishing porn or <laughs> Comfort. whatever. Yeah. Um, maybe you really like international stories. Um, but what we're hoping people will do is come to the festival because they see something they like and, and want to learn more about. Mm-hmm. And then they'll encounter um, a story about a Syrian refugee, right. about a um, wheelchair-bound businessman, mm-hmm. about um, uh, indigenous stories. Uh, I mean, there's just so much to see that you might not seek out otherwise. Right, right. So by challenging an audience, we mean um, discovering things they didn't think they even wanted to know or learn about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the power of Big Sky is um, because it's a big 10-day festival with over 150 films every year, there is so much to discover. That's one thing we've remained committed to is keeping the festival really big Uh so that not only can we give opportunity for more filmmakers that way to get their work into the world, but also um, to help our audience discover a whole range of perspectives and ideas. You know, we're not pushing any certain agenda. Um, In general, documentary film is somewhat more progressive and Mm -hmm. digs really deep. Uh, But there's so much to learn for. um, There's something for everyone, I always say. It's um, really exciting what you can discover. Yeah, and the, the film festival doesn't really have a particular topical theme. I no, mean, you got such no. a diverse array of types of film and topics and, right. and issues. Um, talk about that, like because uh, a lot of times a film festival sort of develops, you know, a theme. Like you go there to get environmental films, you go there to get action sports films, you go there to get, you know, like the wildlife film yep. festival that we right. have here um, in Missoula as well. Uh, how was the that sort of broad diversity um, sort of conceptualized from the beginning. Sure. So it kind of comes down to just what comes to us, honestly. Okay. Um, You know, we... Because there is so much out there, I hate to, you know, put a box around it and say we're only going to show people films like this because maybe mm-hmm. we, you know, we say we're we're going to show films um, about uh, music this year or, or have that emphasis. I wouldn't want to exclude um, an amazing film about, 
you know, uh, climbing Everest. Sure, or, whatever it is. Um, yeah, or e- exploring um, jungles in South Africa. Uh, we want to, what we're really looking for is the best documentary storytelling out there. Okay. High quality films um, that are that are nuanced and um, ethical um, and that sort of push boundaries and help people think about things um, differently or more broadly. So, yeah, to, to kind of make a box and say this is what we're shooting for sure. that that can be challenging even though we're getting i mean we're we're near 2000 entries every year wow. now and we wow. program the festival only from the open call so we're mm-hmm. not going out and curating except for our retrospective programs we are not hand picking what comes here we are asking filmmakers send us your work and from that we'll build a program is that is that distinct from other large film festivals sundance this South by Southwest, et cetera. It is, yeah. Uh, in, as far as the percentage of films coming from the open call, um, yeah. our program is uh, 90%, over 90% from the open call. Okay. Other larger festivals are going to be much lower than that. Um, but, you know, we ask filmmakers to pay to enter the film festival. Okay. It helps uh, yep. helps our nonprofit pay for that process of viewing and selecting. Sure. Um, and so we want to be true to that and say, yes, we're actually pulling our program from the folks who mm-hmm. sent us their films, as opposed to saying, well, thanks for the money. We're going to go out here and, and pick what we we want from, you know, whatever's playing at Sundance. Or well, yeah, or try yeah. to solicit some big name and <laughs> right. big film. I mean, has right. that ever been part of the consideration is we want to want to try to get some big name documentary film to to debut here so we can use it as a draw for other people? I mean, sure. We'd be irresponsible not to pay attention to those things. And what we've done is just try to cultivate relationships with um, those big filmmakers so that they do submit to the festival. And um, that we're getting that work through the open call. And, And most of those filmmakers really do respect that process. Um, you know, we're still we're sort of a mid-level festival at this point. So, you know, we're bookended by these big behemoth Sundance and South yep. by or right around Big Sky in January and March. And so um, we're still competing for some of those titles. So yeah. folks don't mind coming here after they premiere at Sundance. But then, you know, what if they would like to, to leverage um, Big Sky acceptance into, hey, actually, we'd like to world premiere at, at South by Southwest. So sure. it is a little bit of a, a game and a negotiation sometimes. However, the vast majority of folks who get accepted to Big Sky are uh, just really excited. They've heard by word of mouth um, what a great festival this is. We have uh, media attention, industry attention, and um, just the respect of the filmmaking peer network. So, Yeah, can you talk a, a little bit about the process, maybe from the perspective of, of the filmmaker? Uh, I know we had you know, we had Eric Becker on who, who right. had his film uh, Return to Mount Kennedy yes. at the festival last year. Love that film. And he talked a little bit about like the mechanics of trying to bring a project like this to life. So, you know, filmmakers are bringing their work to life. They want to expose it to more people. They want to probably get some form of distribution or monetize the film in some right. way. Yep. So, yeah, how does your film festival fit into this creative um, and and distribution process for 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 filmmakers. Sure, uh, you know we've um, we've actually tried to position ourselves as a um, as an accessible uh, festival in the sense that if you come as a filmmaker. Um, this is a laid-back town. Yeah. There is not much pretension in Missoula, if any, and um, all of the 
the VIPs and visitors coming for the festival encounter each other at, you know, our, our party at the sure. um, Missoula Art Museum or at Charlie's after everything's said and done for the day. It's um, everybody's kind of running in the same circles and um, there's not that pressure like there might be at other big festivals. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really try to elevate. We don't position ourselves as a marketplace. Um you know, there's there's benefits to being a marketplace where you're going to encounter a sales agent, a distributor, and they might buy your film straight out of Big Sky. Um, however, uh, that creates a pressure that uh, we don't necessarily think is as valuable in this atmosphere. Um, of course, you know, we wouldn't turn that down if it sure. was something we could do down the road. But we want what we want to preserve is the ability to create relationships. Okay. That's where we have really had traction with Big Sky is people form relationships here that become future collaborations. And um, we now that we're 17 years in, we're seeing that ha- happen year after year. Um, folks that came with separate films in the past produce something together and bring it back to Big Sky, which is, um, you know, it's it's a relationship industry like entertainment tends to be. Right. And um, so that's what we're really trying to cultivate here as opposed to um, just making it the dollars and cents. Uh, right. It's more important. I, th- I always tell people my job is to start conversations, whether that's with, you know, audience members who see a film and learn something new. Um, or between uh, producers and and, and film industry who want to make sure a project makes it out into the world. And it seems like a key component of that that objective is a thing like Doc Shop. Right. Right. So tell us about Doc Shop and what what the goals of that that part of the festival are. Sure. So Doc Shop is our um, industry conference. We call it the Doc Shop Filmmakers Forum, Mm -hmm. which um, is very intentional. It's meant to be a conference that's not really about I'm going to sit up here and um, talk down at you, audience. It's more of meant to be an open forum where – you know, cutting edge ideas in the film industry or just nuts and bolts things about what it means to be a career filmmaker. Um, You know, talking about how those things work um, together, creating open lines of communication, um, not just, you know, advice and mentorship, um, but really thinking about how um, do I as an independent filmmaker tap you as that panelist um, to help me forward my next project or mm-hmm. idea. So, um, yeah, the Doc Shop has really grown over the years. We are very fortunate to get funding from the National Endowment for the Arts for the okay. last three years to um, to bring really high-level uh, folks to Missoula from the documentary industry uh, to talk about a variety of things. We always have a theme for the conference. Uh, this year, we're going to talk about sustainability and integrity. Yeah, why those two themes? Sure. You know, sustainability is a big, hot topic in the documentary industry right now. It is hard to be a documentary filmmaker. So you mean sustainability as far as can I sustain a career you got in it. this space? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for so many documentary filmmakers, it's a side gig. Most of them are producing commercials, maybe okay. working on on feature sets. Yep. Um, maybe they're a graphic designer or a credit designer or a sound guy. Something. But on the side, they want to tell a story about, um, you know, a low-income housing project in their hometown. Mm-hmm. Or they want to travel to... Uh, Botswana and talk about um, immigration and um, religious politics, whatever it may be. It's um, 
usually a side uh, a side career for filmmakers. And so we're trying to provide tools and ideas about how to step more into that as your full-time gig. You know, Big Sky wants to really inspire the people who are storytellers to get them to keep making documentary film because we think we think it's a powerful and important medium. Mm-hmm. And so nurturing those careers is important and that's what Doc Shop is meant to do. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hi, this is Steve Albini, and you're listening to A New Angle. Yeah, it's interesting thinking about sustainability. I mean, I don't know if these forces have occurred, like in photography, but I would imagine with with the rise of digital photography and the accessibility of of good equipment, um, it seems like we're in this golden age of documentary films. I mean, they're 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 so powerful, yeah. so popular, um, so easy to get. Whether it's Netflix or a great film festival or whatever. Yeah, I think that's the key. Actually, yeah. is that um, it's more. Uh, readily available. And as more streaming platforms and ways to consume content popped up, mm-hmm. suddenly um, content producers realized that it, nonfiction really resonates with yeah. people. It's not just um, fiction storytelling. We want to know, I, I mean, it kind of started with reality TV. <laughs> and um, and as the quality of filmmaking really, really came up, um, documentary started getting so much more popular, and and people really are gravitating towards nonfiction on stri- streaming platforms. Sure, uh, yeah, and those forces coalesce to in, in, you increase quality, but you also increase supply dramatically, right. which uh, that's competition among filmmakers for eyeballs, yep. right? And you so that it. leads to price pressure, and the sustainability is is a big issue. Yeah. Um, talk about the other theme, integrity. Uh, well, what does that mean in this space? Sure. Yeah. So uh, the other kind of hot button thing, um, we we try to make sure Doc Shop is really relevant as to what's happening in the industry. And there's been such a push for uh, diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. in documentary filmmaking. Um, you know, last September, I went to a conference put on by the International Documentary Association called Getting Real. And they did a whole block of... Um, talks called decolonized docs interesting and this was about that's um, a provocative title yes yeah. indeed yeah i really like it so decolonizing docs is meant to really push people to understand not just how to tell a broader range of stories and make sure that lots of voices are being heard but to make sure that the people behind the lens right and the gatekeepers mm-hmm. in the industry are people of color sure women um, finding more uh, diversity at all levels of um, the documentary industry and um, an economy is really important. Um, even the audience, who are the people seeing documentaries? Yeah. I think that there's been a pretty common demographic over the last at least 30 years. And now we're seeing that shift again, since mm-hmm. there's more access um, to, to documentary films. Um, but breaking down those barriers at every level is so important. And documentary lends itself to educating people about how to decolonize other things as well. Sure. And so, so that's what we're tackling when we're talking about integrity at Doc Shop this year is um, how are we talking about inclusion? How are we involving indigenous artists and in elevating their work? How are we um, 
making sure that more women are in positions of power and behind the lens? How are we making sure that uh, people of color come to the theaters and see films? Um, All sorts of different things. So um, this year we'll be having a conversation with the Brown Girls Doc Mafia. Okay, tell us about about who who they are. Sure, that's um, uh, women of color who are essentially, it's a a community of um, women who are working to um, just support each other, right? This is not about... Within documentary film. You got it, yeah. Yeah, this is not about um, tokenizing. It's about um, normalizing Mm. (laughs) the fact that... um, that these are incredible artists and they deserve space. So we're creating that space and trying to um, be more intentional about the choices. So, you know, if I put together a a panel of filmmakers, I'm just going to, I'm going to put women and people of color on it because they're amazing artists, not because they're, they're women and people of color. That is where we're trying to, to get is, um, you know, stopping trying to be so obvious that we're, um, our stats are are more diverse, sure. <laughs> as it were, and and more just making that part of our our daily decisions and thinking. That's where we're um, trying to push that. So the Brown Girls Doc Mafia will come um, to talk about how they've created those communities and how they're shifting that narrative. Um, we're also going to have a panel of Indigenous filmmakers talking about n- uh, new media, VR, transmedia, XR. How um, Indigenous artists are really gravitating yeah, what, towards what's, that. What's XR? I caught those, I know, that I had terminology. To look it up. I didn't know what XR. <laughs> I had to look it up uh, because I didn't either. But essentially, um, because there's so many different types of technology, it's – well, let me just give you an example. I think sure. This is yeah, the easiest. Yeah. Um, Google has this cool new technology. I think it's called Paintbrush. Paintbrush. And you wear a VR headset, and it interacts with a, a brush or okay. a di- VR digital virtual brush reality. you have in your hand, and okay. you can paint with it. You can wave your arm around and um, – you know, write your name. It, it'd be kind of like um, using a um, a sparkler at sure. at Fourth of July, right? Yep. And you paint your name. So it's just like that. But the uh, headset interacts with the what you're doing with your hands and creates this artwork. So um, so XR typically recognizes the environment you're in. So, you know, I could be sitting here in this studio and um, painting the desk or the microphones in front of me. Oh, gosh. And so it, it rec- it's creating both um, a real and a virtual world and um, creating technology that helps those things interact. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk more about 2020. I mean, I can right. push it a little bit. The f- film festival is a week or so away, yeah. but like, <laughs> what, what can we expect? Sure. So, um, couple of our big programs this year. Um, Every year we invite a couple of filmmakers um, who are veterans in the industry and have a body of work under their belt um, as our retrospective artists. Okay. So um, our first weekend will be featuring the Ross brothers, Bill Ross and Turner Ross, who are really quite young. They're in their early 30s and um, have about six feature films under their belt already. Um, Their work is really focused. It's placed place-based filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, their first film is um, the zip code from their their hometown, and they basically just introduced characters and vignettes from okay. the place they grew up and introduced the world to that. And what is that hometown? Um, it's in Ohio. Okay. Yes. Now the, the name of the town is skipping my mind, but... Uh, 
They did the same thing um, in New Orleans where they live now, oh, a film called Chupatulas. Yeah. Um, so, again, just the people, places, things, mm-hmm. sounds, sensations um, of one corner of the world. So the Ross Brothers' newest film just premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. It's called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Okay. And this film, similar to their previous work, um, was perspectives from a certain corner of the world. This mm-hmm. time they were in a bar that's on the outskirts of Los Vegas. And it's uh, basically this is all happening right after the 2016 election, which, you know, t- so many filmmakers tried to find a way to capture yeah, what yeah. was going How on in the hearts and minds at that yeah. time. And this is where they did it. And I think that's going to be really compelling to to Missoula. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Sundance found it interesting and we really love all of their work. You know, we obviously chose them for this big program. So yeah. we can't wait to show that. And um, and then they're also going to be doing a masterclass as part of, of Doc Shop, and we're going to oh, have cool. it in a bar, so yeah. <laughs> keeping with the theme. So, yeah, they'll talk a little bit about um, their influences in their work and how um, they have found sustainability as, as filmmakers, as a duo specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Anything else you can kind of tip your hat to at this point? Sure. I mean, I should probably buzz some of the films that yeah, have really been sticking with me. Um, you know, Missoula, a couple of Missoula films, I think just the um, the uh, regular film goer would really love here. Um, Super Frenchie is a, a film about um, basically the most prolific uh, ski-based jumper <laughs> in the world Ooh. is from France, and he has um, made this incredible career of ski-based jumping. You know, one of the most dangerous things you can do: skiing off the side of a cliff and parachuting down. Yeah, um, yeah. it's a it's an amazing long story that's followed him for many years of his life, from um, you know when he really started taking big big risks and how he built went bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. um, all the way to you know meeting his wife and having a child and trying and weighing risk and how that changes over time so that beautiful kind of nuanced narrative underneath these really cool shots of this guy doing insane things Mm -hmm. just a lovely character so i mean that film about shane mcconkey Mm -hmm. like you know how it's ending indeed and like i was still driven to tears why like in shock at the end yeah watching you know, his demise unfold, even right. though you know it's coming. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, stoked for that Shane, one. Yeah, it, it's a great film. Shane was obviously um, really influential. I'm sure for um, for this athlete, and um, he's being in that world has lost many of his friends, and it's part so of the deal. that's yeah part of his his daily struggle. But it's also you know you see what a powerful pull a, a sport like that has on somebody, mm-hmm. and and you know makes you think about is this an addiction? Is this um, yeah. just something he can't live without? It's such a it's really beautifully done i'm excited for that one awesome yeah another one missoulians are going to really love is um the house that rob built okay this is about robin selvig the beloved lady grizz coach yeah so um a documentary many years in the making we're really excited about it because big sky uh, film institute is the fiscal sponsor for this project Mm -hmm. we wanted to support this hometown film and um did what we could to get them to the finish line and now we get to premiere it at the at the festival so we can't wait for missoulians to see it. Um, it is. And is he going to be there? Uh, I hope so. Heck yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to. I know. I know. Robin likes the film, and um, it'll be. You know, this. He's such a humble guy, and yeah. that comes through in the film. And he's inspired. I mean, almost a whole generation mm-hmm. of um, women athletes uh, who have. I mean totally um, put a pin on the map for Missoula and the Grizz program for. Uh, 
you know, graduation rates. And, oh, yeah, all of it. And conference championships. And I mean, the his stats are just amazing. But mm-hmm. you would never hear Robin talk about that, right? Sure. He just wants to. He loves basketball. He loves inspiring people to do their best. And that's what this film captures. So we're excited for that one, too. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, some... Uh, other interesting films, again, that would challenge folks and, and would be sort of discovery pieces. Um, another film that just came out of Sundance is called Feels Good Man. Okay. And this is about uh, Pepe the Frog, mm. which uh, he became an internet sensation. That's right. But originally Pepe was just kind of this frumpy, funny character in a um, comic strip written by an artist from the Bay Area. Um that was called Boys Club. Mm-hmm. And um, suddenly, somehow, Pepe gets co-opted by somebody on Reddit and created into a meme. Yep. And um, not to spoil it too hard, but he became a tool of um, the far-right movement. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, became a really... Uh, ugly piece of rhetoric when he was supposed to be this kind of delightful character. So this movie is both about, um, you know, the power of the internet to really sway public opinion and um, cultivate um, ideas and uh, and rhetoric, of course. And also this delightful artist who created the, the character to begin with, who finds himself pulled into this world where he has to decide, do I fight for Pepe and my work um, or, you know, do I just let it go and, sure. and and admit defeat because the internet is so powerful? Mm-hmm. So really interesting, yeah, well done, really one. hard story to tell, I uh-huh. think. So I was impressed with the, the filmmaking and those filmmakers will be here as well. So, awesome. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, so much awesome stuff. Like, let's not give it all away because part of the deal is discovery, like just getting the program, pulling up the schedule and just finding like all it's like it's. Yeah. Kind of a treasure tre- treasure hunt in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to be respectful of your time, Rachel, but I do want to talk about, I mean, the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival is one piece of the Institute's work. You've got a lot of other things going on. Recently moved into the new Zach building, yeah. so you have a new home, mm-hmm. uh, and that's going to enable a lot of other cool things from your organization. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the sure. other stuff you do. Yeah, that's the vision. Um, so the Institute, of course, the the festival is our our Uh, pillar event. Mm -hmm. Um, But we also engage in youth education and artist development through the rest of the year, in addition to um, other documentary programming. So our youth initiatives are um, six different programs that take um, filmmakers into schools, again, to just um, get that those great films um, in front of students and engage them in conversation with the artists themselves, perhaps inspire them to um, pursue a film Hey, what career. an interesting time. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think about this. Like, a filmmaker comes to me in high school, um, sort of like, yeah, whatever, that's really cool mm-hmm. what you do. But I, there's so many steps between. But you, you bring a filmmaker into a high school around here, even a grade school around here, they just whip out their phone. Yep. Like, oh, I can go do this this right. afternoon with my buddies. Yeah. And they do. Right. And they create awesome stuff. You got it. Yeah. And we're actually trying to kind of create a pipeline of programs that go from inspiration. So a filmmaker comes yeah. into my classroom. Um, and then we have a youth fellowship and a filmmaking workshop that teach the history, the theory, mm-hmm. and the fundamentals um, and the tools for filmmaking. Right. Um, all the way down to um, artist programs that once you're really ready to 
jump in and and pursue the film industry. Then there's the Doc Shop Conference. There's okay. um, there's the um, Indigenous Filmmaker uh, Fellowship. Oh, there are yeah a number of programs that um, help shepherd you all the way through into that. And then of course we work with so many partners, which is mm-hmm. why we're so excited to be in the ZAC because we want to do as much collaboration as possible. We work with the Maps Media Institute to get films down to the Bitterroot and out to Helena during the festival. Um, we work with the Spark program locally to bring sixth graders to the festival mm-hmm. during a, on a field trip to watch some films and inter- interact with. Uh, with uh, filmmakers. Um, and, and, you know, the filmmakers in the schools, while folks, filmmakers are here for the festival, it's one of the more memorable things that happen for those filmmakers when they come to Missoula. Sure. Yeah, it's not just a great screening with our super engaged community, but they actually get to go connect with, with students in schools. And that's when they really remember what it's all about, <laughs> telling those stories and, and getting uh, the next generation really excited about how to use media. And, um, you know, we're, we're tasked with um, really promoting media literacy because students are so inundated with media Mm -hmm. these days. Um, Media literacy means teaching kids how to be responsible consumers and creators of that media. How do you interact? How do you evaluate um, a a film? What sources are they using? Things like that. So that's really what the Institute is meant to do. Um, Teach kids not just about how to make films, but how to do so in a really productive way. Absolutely. That is so important. Yeah. Rachel, when you think, I mean, so you're about to, this is your fourth film fest, mm-hmm. right? So um, assuming you stick around for a while, which we hope you do, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, what 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 do you want this thing to look like and feel like? Yeah. What's success or continued success? Right. I mean, I, I don't want to imply it's not successful now. Indeed. Um, you know, when I think about us really growing um I would obviously like to see the festival continue to become more valuable. Okay. I think it's um, – we really love the size. We really love um, the fact that there's so many amazing films and that we have this um, this industry acclaim. Um, we've also uh, – we also are struggling for attention. Mm-hmm. Um, there are – so many festivals yeah, out yeah. in the world. There are so many festivals in Missoula. Um, <laughs> you know, really, really um, solidifying ourselves as um, a, a leader in the documentary industry is important to me. And I think to do that, we expand our artist programs. Um, we'd like to do more things along the line of uh, residencies okay. or fellowships, yeah. which we're we're starting to delve into. Um, more opportunities, like I said, to encourage the people who make documentary films to keep doing that and elevating the importance of that. Finding um, funding opportunities for them, which is so hard. Could, you know, could we be a, a source of a grant sure. down the road? Yeah. Could we... Um, could we have a, a residency so people can come to Missoula in the summer, maybe not in February, <laughs> and and get inspired in this cool place where we live, um, where there's a, such a healthy artist community, um, where we can do focus group screenings and um, and editing uh, residencies, uh, things like that, where we can again continue to cultivate um, the the artists here in this in this place where clearly there's an audience and a love for the art form. Um, how do we translate that into um, 
promoting the next generation of artists. So I, I think it's it's really just advancing what we're already doing and finding, you know, really sustainable support for that. You know, we're a nonprofit in a town yeah. with a lot of nonprofits mm-hmm. and, we're, and we're constantly looking for how to make it um, sustainable and productive. So, you know, building strength within the Institute is important. I think also... Um, there are so many great efforts for um, media arts education for youth, and we're a piece of that puzzle um, here in Montana and Missoula specifically. Um, but there's, I, th- I think, a, a even more demand and need for um, education at that emerging and mid-career artist level. Mm-hmm. And that's where I really see Big Sky going is um, – being a voice for those filmmakers. Um, yeah, we've got all of these youth programs, and then we've got this big professional festival where you can um, have an exhibition once you've, uh, you know, gotten films. You kind of arrived a little bit. But, yeah. but there's a gap in the middle sure. there where we want to nurture those um, those artists to become really advanced storytellers, um, really talented editors. Um, there are so many uh, different hats to wear as a documentary filmmaker. Uh-huh. So um, how do we people teach people to be great grant writers and um, sound recordists and, um, and, and cinematographers mm-hmm. and so on? I, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there that we'd like to, to build upon. That seems so central to what's happening in this community right now. Right. I mean, we have such a rich and deep heritage and tradition in the arts. But the community is growing quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the Zach its own space downtown, mm-hmm. getting your organization in that space, and, and the vision you're laying out there is just so important to the yeah. health of this community. So thank you. Thank you for doing the work. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Um, and we want folks to get out there uh, next week, starting on the 14th. Uh, how can they learn more about it? Where do you want them to go online to find out more information about the film festival? Um, our website, of course. <laughs> um, right. Uh, the website is bigskyfilmfest.org. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rachel. Good luck. Thank uh, you. Well, I'm not going to say get some rest because you're not going to, <laughs> but uh, hopefully after the fest you can uh, relax a little bit. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. If you're a regular listener, you already know that next week we're learning all about Joyce Dombrowski. And if you aren't, well, listen next week, and that'll pretty much make you a regular, and we're happy to have you. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. And before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Executive producer, Stefan Borsum. Producer, Aiden Morton, and interns, Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.